welcome Epiphany. Thank you for joining us today as we gather together to worship our Lord, our God, our Creator. My name is Israel. I'm one of the pastors here. It's just beautiful to see all of you. I heard so much about Epiphany through Pastor Derek. So I finally see the people, the faces that he talks about. And it's just a blessing to have you with us today. Today, as we gather to worship the Lord, our God, we're reminded that he made us that he made us with his own hands. He knew our names before we were born. So he knows very well where we are today, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Whatever you're finding today, that whatever you find yourself today, whether you're exhausted or I make jokes sometimes during the service, so sorry about that. If you are pumped because of your coffee or whatever you are, the Lord knows where you are and you are welcome. If you are visiting us today, I want, to know, I want you to know that also God knows where you are, and he welcomes you. And we gather together uh, from two different churches to worship one and the true God. Now, um, I will start with a prayer. I will read the prayer of invocation, and then I would like to invite Timothy to read the call to worship to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for, for this day that you created for us to, to come and worship you. Thank you that we are going to get to know each other some through songs, uh, a cookout later, and com- quick conversations. And we pray that as we, we talk to each other that we will see you because you have made us, Lord, and we all have something for you. So we thank you for that, and we pray that in our conversations we will see you as well. Oh God, by your power may we, with all the saints, comprehend the breadth and the length and height and depth of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that we may be filled with your fullness. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. It's such a pleasure to worship with you all this morning. Like Pastor Israel said, we came to worship the one true God. And David said, it is he who made us and not we ourselves and that we are the sheep of his pasture. And so let us prepare our hearts for worship. So our call to worship today comes from Psalm 122. And it begins by saying, I was glad when he said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. Amen. Um, Let us prepare to worship. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Are y'all excited this morning? Can everybody just stand and help us to lift up the name that is above every name? Hallelujah. Just shout, Jesus. Hallelujah. We love that name. Hallelujah. Everybody just clap like this. We love to call 
listen, y'all. There is power in the name of Jesus. Y'all know that to be true. Power in your name. Hallelujah. There is power in the name of Jesus. So much power in your name. Can we lift that up? There is power. There is power in the name of Jesus. Power in the name. Power in your name. There is power in the name. There is power in the name of Jesus. 
touched the world But it couldn't fill me A man's empty praise Treasures that fade Are never enough Then you came along And put me back together Hearing your love Oh, there's nothing Better than you Lord, there's nothing Better than you Lord, there's nothing Nothing is better than you I know it's true And I'm not afraid
Anybody believe that in the room? That there's nothing better than him? Anybody in the room believe that? That there's nothing better than our God? He's a God who sits high and looks low. He's a God who cares for us. He's a God who redeems us. He's a God who restores us. And in our brokenness, we say there's nothing, nothing better than you. There's nothing better than our Savior. Amen. There's nothing better than him. My name is Pastor Derek. I bring you greetings from Epiphany Church. Yeah, yeah, shout out, shout out, shout out to Epiphany. All right. I'm here today to give us our, our, our prayer of confession. And after singing a song like that, like we've got to realize that <laughs> we've got a lot to confess because God's been so good to us. Amen. He's been so, so good to us. So I'll read our prayer of confession today. It says, Father, give us eyes to see how you are bringing the light of Jesus to this city in Wilmington. God, shine this light more brightly into the darkness of our city and into the, our hearts as well. We confess that we often choose to live in darkness, even though you have called us out of darkness into the marvelous light. Give us courage to repent and the power to live as people of light in this city, bringing the hope of salvation, which is only found in Jesus, to every person that we meet. And now I'm going to read our assurance of forgiveness from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12, which tells us that Jesus suffered outside the city gate to make people holy through his own blood. Anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus? Anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus? We sing a song that says, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. Amen. I'm going to invite Pastor Israel, where you at? Come on, come on, bro. Come on, we got to do this thing. Pastor Israel and I just want to share a little bit about the reason. But come on, bro. This is your stage. I don't know. Listen, I'm, I'm a guest. Let me move. <laughs> we passed that. So, uh, you guys take your seats. I don't want y'all to stand the whole time. Um, First, I want to say this is awesome, right? This is amazing. This is beautiful to see the body of Christ gathered together, worshiping the same Savior that Christians have been worshiping throughout history. And so this is a marvelous and wonderful time that we have to worship the Lord together. Um, And so the reason why we're doing this um, is I'm going to give you the Sunday school answer, right? Because we love Jesus. Amen. That's the Sunday school answer. Uh, but the reason why we're doing this for me um, is my family and I are coming up on six years of being in the city of Wilmington. And so when we moved to the city of Wilmington in se- on September 1st, 2016, this church, City Church of Wilmington, literally unloaded boxes off of the U-Haul truck 
into our home. And so since that time, the Lord has knit our hearts together. Pastor Jason and I are really, really good friends. I joke and say that he was my first Wilmington friend. Uh, I didn't have any of those until I met Pastor Jason. Um, But since that time, uh, we've been serving in the city together. All of our events that we do, City Church is there right alongside of us serving. Uh, The joint services that we do together with one for Wilmington, with the four churches. uh, It's just been a beautiful time for us to gather together. Um, And so we just wanted to hang out to close out the summer and say, hey, what would it look like for us to spend some time together uh, as a body of believers displaying the unity and diversity in the body of Christ? and showing off the glory of Christ. And so that's part of the reason why we're doing this. Pastor Israel's got a whole list of notes of stuff he's going to read. I'm just winging it, so. <laughs> no, and what else can I add, but all of that resonates with myself. Uh, I moved to Wilmington three years ago. Uh, three years ago. October 2019, okay. almost three years ago. And we're ready to get the boxes unloaded. We're unloaded on my house, too, by Wilmington, uh, by City Church. I'm like, I get to know these people pretty soon, and then COVID happened. Yeah. As probably you know about it, right? Um, so it has been for me as a pastor to come. I'm seeing, not seeing the faces that I saw unloading the bus, that I saw the first weeks that I was here. I knew they were behind the camera yeah. watching, mm-hmm. but we were not able to get to know each other and to communicate with each other and worship together. And that has been devastating for, for, for me spiritually. And little by little, we're like getting back. That's not normal. We're making a new normal now. And with Pastor Derek, you guys went through something similar. And just the, the call that we have from God to be united and to, yeah. be, to live in community, to see this together today, is just beautiful. Don't get me wrong. The four churches, when you get together for one for Wilm, it's beautiful. But this is, I like this better. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to read just a a few verses. Uh, They are from John 17, in which uh, Jesus, before ascending to heaven, he he was talking about the unity that he desired for his disciples. But then, in verse 20, he says, I do not ask for this only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they they may all be one, just as you, the the Father are in me and I in you, yeah. that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, was praying for this, for you, for me, for us, to be united in the gospel. So as we get to know each other better, as we love each other better, through our churches, through relationships, the world will see what are these two guys doing together? This guy from Peru that cannot pronounce Tim. Tim. Say it again. Tim. Tim. Oh, Tim. That's why I said Timothy, yeah. because I cannot say Tim the way he says it. <laughs> uh, so this guy from, from Peru and this guy from Philly area, now he in Wilmington. I'm from, Cam- I'm from Camden. Don't, don't disrespect uh, me, please. <laughs> and Pastor Jason that is not here today. He's a student sabbatical. Like, why are they worshiping together? Because Jesus prayed for it. Jesus prayed for it. That's why we're here. And this is a small picture of where we're going to see in heaven. When he comes back and all his people from all around the world will come. So we are very privileged right now that we get to rejoice in the Lord, 
together as one body, even though we have different stories and background, I'm closer to you than some of my blood relatives. So praise God for that. Amen. 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 And last thing is uh, epiphany. You know what I mean when I say this? We live woven. Amen. Um, and I remember sharing that with Pastor Jason a little while ago that we live woven. And then some short time later, I saw some stuff on y'all walls talking about woven. And <laughs> I was like, come on, Pastor Jason, we friends. <laughs> but the idea is beautiful, is that we are living together um, as one in the body of Christ, like Pastor Israel beautifully said, because that's what Jesus prayed for. Amen. So we're going to continue to celebrate in that after uh, we dismiss you to, uh, to take your children downstairs um, to city, what is it? City Church Kids. City Church Kids. You got a mic, bro. Yeah, downstairs, just follow the steps, go down this way, and your kids will be taken care of uh, by Epiphany and City Church. Then, if you don't have kids and you stay here, don't be sad. We can greet each other and get to know each other sometimes. Yeah, greet so, one another. Amen.
I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Going through a storm, but I won't go down. I hear your voice carried in the rhythm of the wind to call me out. You would cross an ocean, so I wouldn't drown. You've never been closer than you are right now. You are Jaira. forget how I feel right now on the mountaintop I can see so clear what it's all about stay by my side till the sun goes down I don't want to forget how I feel right now Jara
faithless I wish I had some believers in the room it says that even when we are faithless our God is faithful 
even when you're at your lowest moment and you're struggling with doubt, frustration, pain, our God is faithful. See, if we really believe that, <laughs> we would take 10 seconds and give God some praise. Because our God is faithful. Our God is faithful. Our God is faithful. His promises are yes and amen. He promises that he'll never leave us or forsake us. When our mother and father run out on us, our God is faithful. Faithful until the end. Faithful until the end. We live in a day and a time where people are struggling because they can't see the faithfulness of God. They look out at their lives and they feel so much pain and turmoil and distress. But we stand here today as the people of God to declare through our life and our lips that our God is faithful. He's faithful, family. City Church of Wilmington, our God is faithful. He's faithful. He's been faithful to each and every one of you. Epiphany Church, he's been faithful to each and every one of us. Our God is faithful. He's so faithful. He's so faithful. Amen. You may take your seats. Twist it. This is not faithful. No, you, you are correct, Pastor Israel. This is not faithful. Uh, maybe because my tablet weighs a thousand pounds. Um, so I'm going to do this. Well, welcome again. My name is Pastor Derek Parks. Uh, I'm the lead pastor at Epiphany Church in Wilmington, and I'm so, so grateful again to stand here before you um, at this time to share the word of God with you. And so uh, if nothing else is faithful, his word is faithful. <laughs> Amen. That's why at Epiphany, what we do, we love the what? We love the word. Amen. And so, um, you guys have been in a, in, in a time together in the Psalms, and I want to continue to encourage us in that same way. I just got back to Epiphany last Sunday uh, after being out for about a month, um, and we were doing a series called Summer Jams. And so, we were talking about the different... Uh, songs in our hearts, and we had some different guest preachers come in. Uh, but when I got back, I said, I want to continue that, uh, that same sense um, of some summer jams, but I want to walk through the songs of ascent. Um, and so it, when Pastor Israel and I were talking, he was like, great, we're in the Psalms. And so uh, I wanted to share with you guys today from the Psalms. And as we're looking at this, the, the songs of ascent 
um, that I'm going to be focusing on. I'm only focusing on one of them, so don't worry. Don't freak out. I'm not going to be here for 24 hours. Um, but this one, these psalms, this collection of psalms, uh, they were also known as pilgrim songs. These were the songs that the, the Jewish people would sing as they were traversing towards Jerusalem. And as they were heading towards Jerusalem, uh, they would begin to see uh, the hills emerging. And so last week at my church, I preached uh, Psalm 121, which says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills where my help comes from. Uh, and so today, I want to encourage us in continuing that. Uh, and I'll be in Psalm 122 today. We've already read it a little bit um, in, <clears throat> in our call to worship. Um, but I want to encourage us through this passage of Scripture uh, that God gives us the opportunity to zoom lens into what that journey would have been like for those Jewish travelers as they were making their way towards Jerusalem to celebrate and to offer praise. So turn with me in your Bible to Psalm 122. Uh, if you don't have it, I'm sure they'll have it up here for you on the screen. Um, Really quickly, I, my voice is not going to be faithful to me if I don't have some water. So if somebody wouldn't mind, anybody, thank you. I'd appreciate it. Um, so Psalm 122, I'm reading from the uh, Christian Standard Bible. And it reads as such. He says, I rejoice with those who said to me, or uh, as I know it, I was glad when they said <laughs> unto me, <laughs> let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet were standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city should be, listen to this, solidly united, where the tribes the Lord's tribes, thank you so much, where the tribes, verse 4, the Lord's tribes go up to give thanks to the name of the Lord. And it says beautifully, it says that this is an ordinance for Israel. And it's an ordinance for us as well. There, uh, verse 5, it says their thrones for judgment are placed, thrones of the house of David Therefore, pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls, security within your fortresses. Because of my brothers and friends, I will say, may peace be in you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, the psalmist concludes, I will pursue your prosperity. Pray with me, Father. I pray by your spirit today, God, that as uh, I stand here before your people, God, that you would give me the words to say. Father, I pray, God, uh, that you would stand in my body and think through my mind and speak through my mouth, God. And I pray, God, that those under the sound of my voice might be those who have ears to hear today what the Spirit has 
to say to the church. And uh, God, I pray, God, that you would be with us, strengthen us, encourage us, renew us, God, continue to unify us, Father. And God, we pray, God, by your spirit today, Jesus. God, we pray and we thank you for your miracle-working power today, Jesus. And God, I ask today, God, that you, God, would be with us, God. Let your word get deep down into the marrow of our souls today, Jesus. And it's in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, I pray these things with thanksgiving in my heart. And everyone said, amen. Forgive me for a minute. I talked to my people. Um, In 2001, Trick Daddy and Trina sang on the Thugs Are Us album, Take It to the House. And so I want to tag this text today, Tito. <laughs> Tito asked me, he said, Pastor, what's the title today? <laughs> I want to tag this text today as take it to the house. Forgive me, City Church, while I talk to my people for just a little bit. Because if you feel like you're slipping and sliding, take it to the house. If, if you're watching online, listen, next week I want you to get on up and take it to the house. Lastly, I want to let the devil know that we don't play. Take it to the house. And so as I look at this passage of scripture today, one of the things that I notice is that the psalmist here is encouraged by the fact that he gets to take it to the house. He says, I was glad with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. See, this psalm may be looked at in a couple different ways. I want to encourage us this morning uh, very clearly through the word of God. Uh, uh, And each one of these ways has good biblical warrant to it. The first way that this psalm can be looked at is literally. And and it's, it's, it's about an earthly Jerusalem growing out of David's hope. Uh, or, or, or his remembrance about what Jerusalem would be like. This, this can also be interpreted symbolically, family. It, it, it talks about uh, it, it being applied to us today, the church, the, the, the new Jerusalem. Uh, as the author of Hebrews uh, specifically lays it out and applies it for us in chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews. But it also can be referred to prophetically, where it's pointing us to... Uh, the new Jerusalem that is to come, which is the earth, which is of the earthly city, but is going to be something completely better than that. And so the psalmist says here, he says, listen, I rejoiced or I was glad when those who said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. See, the bond of unity and fellowship is one that should cause gladness to fill your heart. See, when we're talking about unity and fellowship, the actualization of us being with brothers and sisters in the house of the Lord should produce joy in our hearts. See, the the, the possibility of spending time in the house of the Lord, this, this idea here suggests that it ought to brighten our lives. And so today, I'm going to pull up into your living room and tell you that missing fellowship with the family of God in the house of God is something that ought to drain your joy. See, missing fellowship in the house of the Lord should cause your life to be less prosperous 
and full. See, when you gather together with the people of God, there's something unique and powerful that happens in your life, and you are filled with the prosperity and joy of God because you're gathering with the people of God. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, he says, let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. So what the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us is the same thing that the psalmist is encouraging us around is that there's something powerful about being in the house of the Lord. See, uh, let me help y'all. City Church, I haven't been here in a while. and It's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you. But listen, um, (laughs) you guys can talk back to me, okay? So if you hear something that you like, you can say amen. Okay, let's practice this. Say amen. All right, if you hear something that you don't like, you can say, ouch. That's perfectly acceptable. You can wave your hand at me. You can stand up and point at me. Like, you can do any of those things, and I will not be offended, okay? In fact, I'll be encouraged if you do those things, okay? So, uh, Epiphany, show them what to do today, all right? Uh, and, And so, he says here, he says that he was rejoicing with those who said to him, let's go to the house of the Lord. David rejoiced with those who gave the report that life was in the house of the Lord. So he says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go. That idea is there for going. When he said, let's go into the house of the Lord, that word can mean to go to the house of the Lord or come into the house of the Lord. But it also suggests that you have your life inside of the house of the Lord. And conversely, what I want to communicate to us this morning is that it also suggests that there is death outside of the house of the Lord. See, we don't like to admit it, but when we isolate ourselves from the household of God, we begin dismantling. See, people who forsake gathering together fade from the faith more frequently than they would like to admit. I've seen it a hundred times. People who forsake gathering together slide into sin more frequently than those who do not. We don't like to admit it. People who who forsake gathering together delve deeper into doubt more frequently than those who are not committed to gathering with the people of God. And people who forsake gathering together, they quickly dismantle their lives. See, this, this Latin idea for dismantling, it talks about the reversal of fortification. And to fortify something means to provide it with defensive works as a protective action. But when we neglect the household of God, here's what ultimately happens to us, family, is we lose our strength. When we neglect the household of God, here's what happens. We lose our protection. See, we, we, we think that it's innocuous. We think that it is, is neutral. But the reality is, is that at times when we forsake gathering with the body of Christ, we lose our protection because we lose the ability for people to peer into our lives and point out to us the blind spots that are in our hearts and in our lives. That's why Dr. Paul Tripp tells us, he says, he says that, that, that self-examination is a community project. 
And so when we begin to examine our lives, the thing that we have to understand is, is that when we neglect the household of God, when we neglect the people of God, when we neglect gathering with the people of God, we ultimately lose our protection. When we neglect the household of God, we lose our defense as well. But here's something beautiful. This idea here, the word go, it also suggests that prosperity is in the house of the Lord. That's why I love Jeremiah 29 11. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. They are plans to prosper you or plans for your well-being and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. See, we have to remember that the Lord's plan for us is to prosper us. But we also have to remember this. I, I, I preached this in a series at Epiphany called Back to the Future. We have to remember that the Lord's plan for the world, listen to me, is the church. So God's plan for the prosperity and flourishing of the world is all of us. And we don't get that at times. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we, we misrepresent that. Sometimes we forget to apply that to our lives. But the reality is, is that God wants to use each and every one of us for the prospering and the flourishing of the world. Now, it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how you think. It doesn't matter the amount of money that you got in your bank account. God wants to use you for the flourishing of the whole world. Now, God's plan for the prospering and flourishing of the world is the church being fully engaged, fully activated, and fully united. That's why this joint service is beautiful <laughs> because it shows forth the unity of the church of Jesus Christ in a very small way that gives us a glimpse of what Jesus desires for us to be fully activated and fully engaged. And so the beauty of this is that it displays the dwelling of God on the earth. This is deep stuff. He tells us, he says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go into the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord is the dwelling place of God. It is the, the habitation of God. It is the abode of God. And understand that when the people of God draw near to one another, the presence of God shows up. Don't believe me? Believe Matthew, he says. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. But we miss the presence and power of God because we miss that that passage in Matthew there is about unity. See, we can't gather any old kind of way and expect God to be in our midst. We can't gather together in our disunity and expect God to be among us. We can't show up arguing and complaining all the time because things aren't going the way we'd like them to go within the church. 
We can't come in expecting, complaining and grumbling all the time because the children's ministry isn't how we want it to be. We can't go grumbling and complaining because they didn't sing the songs that I want them to sing. We can't go arguing with one another because we think different ideologically on different things. But if we're expecting God to show up, we got to show up unified in the body of Christ. The problem is, though, is that we show up being we show up backbiting and being divisive and we expect God to be among us. That's why the passage in Matthew 18 jumps back up to verse 19. He says, again, truly, I tell you, if two of you on earth, somebody say earth, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my father in heaven. I love the word of God. This Greek idea here for agreeing is where we get the English word symphony from. So our lives together, which are expressed practically through regularly being devoted to gathering together in the temple and from house to house. That's Acts chapter 2, verse 46. It said that every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and they broke bread from house to house, meaning that they did like we're going to do after this, break some bread together with one another. And it says that they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. So when it talks about this being a symphony, our lives together, here's what a symphony is. A symphony is an elaborate, an elaborate musical composition in full orchestra, typically in four harmonious movements. So in other words, here you go, City Church. Our lives woven together tell the gospel story in four-part harmony of creation, fall, redemption, and renewal. See what I did there. But I have a sneaking suspicion that people aren't coming to our churches because they aren't experiencing the power and presence of Jesus when they get there. And the reason they're not experiencing the power and presence of Jesus when they get there is because we're disunified. See, people aren't convinced that Jesus is better because his people don't love his bride. People aren't convinced that Jesus is better because his people don't love his house. People aren't convinced that Jesus is better because his people have better things to do. And so week to week, we're taking options on things that are better in our lives for us to do than for us to gather with the people of God as we're called to do. I didn't come to fight with nobody today, but I did want to communicate to you that the psalmist says that I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. But people aren't coming to our churches because they're not experiencing the power and presence of Jesus when they get there. 
what they're experiencing is a whole lot of us when they get there. They're not experiencing any Jesus when they get there. They're not experiencing the transforming power of Jesus who's able to take your life from darkness into light. Who's able to pick your feet up out of the muck and the mire and place them on solid ground. See, they're not experiencing a Jesus who's able to change their lives from being a sinner unto a saint. They're not experiencing the kind of life that's able to take them from being a drug dealer to being a deacon. They're not experiencing the kind of transforming power that's able to take them from being a prostitute to being a praiser. They're not experiencing the type of power that's able to take them from the destitution of their lives and deliver them into the freedom that they have in Christ. And we got to do better as the people of God. And I pray that we would learn to embrace the mantra of King David in Psalm 84 and 10. He says, for better is one day in your, in your courts, better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. Then, then he goes on to say this. He says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. David tells us, he says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. And some of us, we've got our attitudes mixed up because we think that if we're standing at the door and just greeting, that we're not doing anything. But David tells us that I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather serve on the hospitality team. I'd rather serve with the kids. I'd rather do all the stuff that's behind the scenes than to dwell in the court of the wicked. Because better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. People need to experience the power and presence of Jehovah. (laughs) They need to experience the power and the presence of the Lord. That's why David says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go into the house of the Lord. See, our unity and fellowship is the key to knowing his power. Our unity and fellowship is the key to feeling his presence. And then David goes on, he says, he says, our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. That word standing suggests that we will remain in the house of the Lord once we enter there. Family, if you are in the household of God... The scripture tells us that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ Jesus once you are in him. You have an assurance of forgiveness. You have an assurance of pardon in him. And he tells him, he says, listen, our feet were standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. That's why the psalm says in Psalm 100, he says, enter into his gates with what? With thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Then he tells us, he says, be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures for all generations. So our response to being in the household of God family is to offer praise to God. See, that's our responsibility. That's our response is to offer praise to God Because we are in the household of God. I don't know if you realize, but heaven and hell are real places. And if you are without Christ, 
you will spend eternity in hell. We don't talk about that. We get quiet when we bring that up in church, but it's still a real reality that heaven and hell are real places. And so when you've been grafted into the household of God, that's cause for rejoicing because you've been saved and delivered from eternal damnation in hell where you would spend eternity without Christ. That's why he goes on to say, listen, Jerusalem built as a city, built as a, as, as a city should be solidly united. This idea of it being built is that Jerusalem is established as it should be when it is solidly united. Jerusalem, this, this idea of built has the sense that Jerusalem is made permanent as it should be when it is solidly united. Here's an idea that I thought was fascinating as I was studying this. This word for built, it refers to being built up. And that, that Old Testament idea of being built up was referring to a childless wife becoming the mother of a family through the children of her concubine. Now, here's why I thought that was fascinating. is because, in other words, someone else carries the weight of our unity together. And see, when we look at this passage, what we begin to see is this is that this unity that we're called to stand in, this unity that we're called to embrace, it's not on our backs that we have to carry it. In fact, it's already been delivered to us when Jesus prayed for us, as Pastor Israel read earlier. He stole a little bit of my thunder. That's okay. He read in John 17, he says, I've given them, verse 22, I've given them the glory you have given me. So that they may know, so that they, excuse me, so that they may be one as we are one. Here's the cosmic realities of that. Is that in the body of Christ, we share the same oneness that the Godhead shares. This is bigger than us. And verse 23 says, I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Jesus carries the weight of our unity with one another. Jesus makes it possible for us to be many and yet one. Jesus allows our differences to fade to produce glory here on the earth. And so what we have to see is, is that we are called to be solidly united together with one another. And a solidly united church is one that has fellowship together. It's one that is bound together. And it is one that it is in league with one another in order to accomplish the mission and work of Jesus here on the earth. So a solidly united city is one that is compact. See, at the time, Jerusalem was a small city 
located on the crest of Mount Zion and Mount Moriah. And it was bound on two sides by steep descents into two valleys. And at the time, it was no more than a half a mile in breadth. It had a dramatic setting for one who was approaching it from a distance because its tight structure would impress anyone observing it. It's a lot like Wilmington, right? When, when I ride back into the city or back in town, I'm sorry, I'm learning that. When I come back in town, right, and I'm looking up and I'm seeing the sky rises and I'm seeing how tightly compacted it is, there's this unique beauty to it when I enter into the city. Like, I get the same feeling in my chest as I did when the Lord first called me to the city and told me to go to Wilmington and I pulled up and, and, and my heart begins to experience this joy and hope about what could be because God is showing me in a picture of that is that there is a unity that is possible within this city because it's compact. See, we've got a greater opportunity to experience unity here than I believe in most other places in the country. But the psalmist is not merely talking about the physical terms of the city. He's not merely talking about its size. He notices the physical compactness of it but it's merely an appropriate way of noting the role, listen to this, that Jerusalem played in compacting or unifying the nation of Israel. So at one time, the people had thought more in terms of their tribal identities than in their own national reality. And the church should be a model of Jerusalem and its ability to unify the nations. Y'all not ready for that conversation though. The real unity that he was referring to though was spiritual unity. For regardless of your tribe or your political division, every Jew came to Jerusalem to worship the same God on those same feast days. It didn't matter where you were from. That's why verse 4 says, where the tribes, the Lord's tribes, <laughs> they go up together and they give thanks to the name of the Lord. And this is an ordinance. So what he's saying is, is that every branch and every offshoot, no matter where you're from or what you do, every branch and every offshoot should come together to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Every branch, thank you, Josh, and every offshoot should come together to give thanks to the name of the Lord. This idea of going up, this is the idea of offering something. It's the same word that, that, that God uses when he tells uh, uh, Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. He says, take your son, your only son Isaac, who you love, and go up into the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. What's beautiful is that these mountains that we're going to see, they emerge as the mountains where Jesus would ultimately sacrifice himself. But it tells us to go up and give thanks. This giving thanks is to confess the name of the Lord. And in confessing the name of the Lord, here's what we understand. 
Romans 10, 9 helps us with this. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Family, that's what we give thanks for. We give thanks for the fact that Jesus gave up his life. But not only that, the scripture tells us that after three days, he got up with all power in his hands defeating sin and death for us and God raised him from the dead so that we might give thanks to the name of the Lord our unity which is practically expressed through our gathering here's what it does the name it talks about the reputation or fame or glory of God and so our unity which is practically expressed through our gathering together, displays the glory, reputation, and fame of our God. So more than that, our, our, our going up together to offer praise to the Lord is a testimony and a witness to his reputation. And so what we do when we gather together, family, is we give testimony to the glory, the fame, and the reputation of our God. That's why he tells us to pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. I'm closing, Frank. He says, may those who love you be secure. Verse 6, I need us to see this. When it says pray, the word that's used there, it means beg. It means beg God for the well-being of Jerusalem. See, we need that well-being is the comprehensive shalom of Jerusalem or the household of God. We need the comprehensive health of the household of God. We need the comprehensive peace of the household of God. James Montgomery Boyce says this. He says, the ancient city with its temple and temple worship was a wonderful gift of God to be highly valued in love. But something much better has come by the work of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, that Jesus has established a new spiritual temple by the sacrifice of himself on the cross. And he has brought us not to Mount Sinai or to the old Mount Zion, but to a new Mount Zion and a new Jerusalem. A place where those who love him will be secure. Those who have affection for our Jerusalem will be secure. That idea of security means is that those who have affection for them, they'll be at rest. Those who have affection for them, they'll be at ease, they'll be tranquil. Those who have affection for him, they'll be in safety. 
But more than that, those who have affection for him, they will prosper. Verse 7 says, may there there be peace within your walls, security within your fortresses. The psalmist is praying that the peace and security of God would exist within our Jerusalem. And when we see our Jerusalem, that Hebrews talks about as the church, our Jerusalem ought to be one that brings peace and welfare to the world. Our Jerusalem should bring ease and quietness to the world. Our Jerusalem ought to bring abundance to our world. David says, because of my brothers and sisters, I'll say peace be within you. But not only that, I will pursue peace. Being in the household of the Lord, our God, causes us to require and seek the good of all people. Brothers and sisters, as Christian pilgrims who know that God is able to keep them from falling, and at last present them before his glorious presence with great joy in his city, the new Jerusalem. We have to experience the joy and gladness of being in the house of the Lord. Because here's what's going to take place. Revelation 21 tells us, He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them. (laughs) And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4 tells us, that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any more mourning, nor crying, or pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And then it says that he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Anybody glad for that? That our God is making all things new? He tells them, write this down. (laughs) Take a note. Because this is trustworthy and true. For he who said it to me has said, 
it is done I am the Alpha and the Omega I'm the beginning and the end to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment the one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son if you're weary today take it to the house if you're hurting today take it to the house if you're broken today take it to the house and at the consummation at the renewal of all things the wedding feast of the lamb Jesus and his bride will become one and in so doing we'll have no more need to go into a temple because Revelation tells us that he will be our temple he said I saw no temple verse 22 he said I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God the almighty and the lamb and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives its light and its lamp its light is the lamb and by its light the nations will walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it Father we thank you God thank you that today we get a glimpse of this glorifying reality that is the church. God, today we thank you, God, that you give us the opportunity to view into eternity. And so, Father, I pray today by your spirit, Jesus, I pray today, Lord, that you would cover us God, I pray for those that are hurting and frustrated and in pain today who are doubting whether or not this is possible to be delivered from that. I pray that they might look to a time in eternity where death and sickness and pain will be no more because the dwelling place of God will be with man. And we are a representation of that right now here on the earth as the church of Jesus Christ who get to display the beauty and presence of God our Father eternal for all eternity. In the matchless name of Jesus I pray. Amen and amen. If you have children in City Church Kids, you can take this time to go get them. And if you'd please stand with us as we sing this song of response, Build My Life.
Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Sing Jesus Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. And we sing. Holy, there is no one done beside you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me sing worthy Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Sing Jesus Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.
in the illustrations, it was in the wording. Uh, and you know what made me think about? Food. When you go back home, I, I went home in April, 
I love my mom. She's not watching right now. She doesn't speak English. I love her, but the food. I, the food reminds me of memories. And I don't know if you noticed, at least in my culture, when somebody comes to visit, they cook really well, and they are proud of their culture. They give you their best, right? When you come, if you smell, you know they have been cooking for hours because they want to give you their best. And you don't that to people that you don't want in your house, do you? And the Lord did it for people that didn't want to be in his house. People that didn't bring and say, hey, can I bring some bread, some wine, what cookies, dessert? They had nothing to offer. And he put everything on the table. What did he put on the table? He says, the bread, the wine, that represents what? The only way to which we can enter the house of the Lord. His sacrifice on the cross. And that's what we're celebrating here with the Lord's Supper. That through his body, through the blood that he gave up for us, so that we could have eternal life and access to him, when we celebrate this, we say we are united. Not only to him, which we are, but to each other as well. So in the house of the Lord, we have a banquet. We call it the Lord's Supper. Some call it communion. But we are, what we're celebrating and we are partaking in is in his body, is in his sacrifice. In him, our sins are dead. We are resurrected spiritually. In him, we are new. And that's what we celebrate in the Lord's Supper. If this is your faith, if you have proclaimed with your mouth, if you have believed in your heart, that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, this is your house. Please come and partake of this meal with us. If this is not your faith and you're visiting us today, I pray that the words that you have heard through the songs and the ceremony, and even right now, that they will penetrate your hearts. And if you have questions, let me tell you that the sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd. This is the time in which Jesus Christ might be talking to you. So instead of coming and partaking of these elements, I will ask you to remain in your seats, if this is not your faith, um, and meditate on this, and what we have talked about this morning. On the night in which Jesus was heading to the Calvary, he was going to be betrayed, he took the bread, and he broke it. And after giving thanks, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. After giving thanks in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray.